Stephon Gilmore was, you know, we said this on the Wednesday show, released according to reports, but actually Scott Fitterer gets on the phone. He says, wait a second, let me send you a fucking 2023 sixth and I'll go grab Stephon Gilmore and that contract. They're not even paying him that much money. People were comparing it to the Kevin King contract that the Green Bay Packers have. Like, I think a fantastic move for the Carolina Panthers and I, and a low risk move. I mean, Stephon Gilmore going back home to Carolina, I only see this as a win for the Carolina Panthers, especially with the um, you know the injury they had to J.C. Horn. Yeah, Kevin King literally keeps boning the Packers. His five one year five million dollar contract. The reason why they can't get that trade done. Um, obviously, if he would have been cut, you would have been able to manipulate sort of the contract. His contract to get him underneath the cap. Could have paid him as much as twelve million this year and only had a three million dollar cap charge. But with it being the way it was, what was it seven or so million that you're going to have to take on via trade? And so, yeah, Kevin King and his one year five million dollar deal. Well done. You know who was first on the Stefan Gilmore trade news? Hmm. Reporter Doug Kide. Oh, here at PFF. Follow him. Yeah, he's a former Patriots beat writer, so I think he has some sauces. I don't know why I made that accent. Um, was that Boston? <laughs> Uh, I felt about, like I'm in Southie. Uh, wasn't traded, cut and signed. Green Bay Packers, Jalen Smith. I saw Ben Fennel, who I think is a Packers fan. He works for NFL he Media. Is. He put together like a one-minute, 45-second just roast clip. Yeah. Just, he's like, I haven't seen a linebacker with this bad of instincts. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, my God. Jalen Smith just getting roasted by Ben Fennel. Is there any positive to Jalen Smith going to Green Bay? I don't think anyone likes this move. Does I think the like positive it? is that he might actually still be an upgrade. <laughs> you know, like they, they still are about as bad as it gets in linebacker position in the NFL. So even though Jalen Smith, not the Jalen Smith that he was at Notre Dame, like, it, oh, man, uh, who is it? Nate Tice tweeted out some clips of him back in Notre Dame, and it was amazing to watch what he was when he actually could change directions mm -hmm. because when his nerve died in his knee, he literally has drop foot in one leg, which means it is very difficult for him to plant that leg and change directions yeah. and go left or right. He's still explosive in a straight line. He's still a freak athlete in certain ways, but the man cannot move laterally. And that's, that's kind of a big part of linebacker. As uh, we know with uh, PFF analyst Anthony Tresh on our flag football team, he <laughs> can barely move <laughs> laterally. Um, the other piece of news, I don't think we touched this on, on this on the Wednesday episode, but Derek Stingley Jr., the foot injury potentially out for the season now for LSU. That, right now, the number three overall draft prospect on our board, number yeah. three draft prospect on Mel Kuyper's board, a foot injury. And we said this, the only thing that's keeping these guys down is injury. And now you have Derek Stingley getting hurt. How does this affect your thinking or your thoughts here? I mean, it might put him behind guys like Kyle Hamilton, Cameron Thibodeau, maybe Evan Neal at the top of the draft. Mm -hmm. It's not moving him down to cornerback, too, gotcha. in my opinion. You have to hope, too, he just takes the season off. You take the season off and um, you're able to maybe prepare for the combine. You know, put some put some put some numbers on because that's where he's going. I I I'm guessing that's what he's going to do. You know, I, I think he's at the point where he knows LSU's out. Like it, it, that's becoming commonplace. Where, you know, where, like what Nick Bosa did. I'm hurt. I maybe could sneak back in, but why? You know, I've, I've given you all enough. I gave you all the national championship. So I, I think he's, I think that's more than likely what, what happens here. All right, let's get into the NFL recap. My mic is kind of spinning on me here. I'm trying to get it locked in. That's good content. You like this? All right, um, let's get into the NFL 
preview, week five preview. We want to start with the Rams at Seahawks. This is the Thursday night game. Good Thursday night matchup. It's a fantastic Thursday night matchup. And it's only a two and a half point spread. Seahawks at home, two and a half point dogs. There's a lot of me, so much of me. Hmm. that wants to bet on the Los Angeles Rams. I think this is a little bit of an overcorrection line after, obviously, the Rams lose to the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think it was as lopsided as a win for the Arizona Cardinals as maybe as the the box score or the final score would put it. So I'm leaning Los Angeles Rams by a significant degree here. I think they win this game on the road pretty handily. Yeah, I... I have to be in agreement. I think they are uniquely qualified with their defense personnel to shut down what Seattle wants to do. Like Jalen Ramsey versus DK Metcalf is a fantastic matchup for the Rams. Like that, that, that is a type of cornerback that can shut down a DK Metcalf. And you saw it last year. Seattle scores 16 points and 20 points in the two games against the Rams. And now the Rams, obviously with Jared Goff, only themselves scored 23 points and 9 points. But I do think that with Matt Stafford, it is a little bit different Rams offense this season so in, i will lean rams in three games against DK, dk metcalf in 2020 week 10 week 16 and the wild card matchup week 10 two targets zero catches week 16 one catch 11 yards wild card three catches 33 yards jalen ramsey's in his bag okay yeah. this is gonna be a dk metcalf shutdown russell wilson shut down rams bounce back on the road cover the two and a half i like the rams i have found it interesting though i mean matt safford i think everyone can agree is an upgrade over jared goff but his passing grade this year is 78.7. He's had three full seasons higher than that in his career at Detroit. He is not playing better football than at any point in his career. The Rams' offense is just better. If you want an indictment of how good Sean McVay is as a play caller and what he does offensively and why it's, we say, like the, the guys who are the offensive gurus, so to speak, are fueling the NFL, are the ones you want. Because he has 117.5 QB rating, pass rating. He's never had a full season over 100. But this is just rank average, not rank average. But it's like just it's just another season for him grade-wise in terms of how he's actually performing. The offense is what's the scheme that he's in and the talent around him. I mean, Cooper Cup's been The results are been. Well, I would argue it's the talent. Obviously, Cooper Cup, this offensive line, but also Sean McVay. I mean, Sean McVay is putting him in a much better position. That's what I just said. Oh, I thought I didn't hear you say McVay. Yeah, that's what I started that way. I hit myself. Uh, Jets Falcons, next game here. All this right. is the nine thirty kick, London. Falcons favored by three. There's not a single bone in my body that wants to touch this line. Yeah, I I really would not want to bet this line and will not be betting this line. But if I forced to, leaning Jets, because the Jets are strong anywhere. It's the interior defensive line. And obviously the Falcons have had their struggles on the interior offensive line outside of Chris Lindstrom. Give me Quinnen, 14 pressures ready, four games, having a little bit of a breakout year. Leaning Jets. I think the the market is leaning the Jets as well. 77% of the cash is on the Jets so far, and 55% of the betting tickets. And I also, I'd probably not touch the line, just sprinkle plus 160 New York Jets money line. Let's see if they let's take this one. Feel a little bit alive. 9:30 a.m. You're looking to feel alive. Wake up with a little Jets money line against the Atlanta Falcons in London. But if I was actually giving betting advice, I'd probably lean towards not taking this line at all. Because um, there's probably a good chance that you're waking up hungover on Sunday night and watching this game. And if you're not watching the games you bet on, come on, yeah. gotta watch the games you bet on. Miami versus Tampa next on our list here. Tampa favored by 10. And honestly, I'm leaning Tampa. The only thing that's giving me pause it's only a 48 total. You know, that's a it's a widespread for a low total under 50. However, 
There's not a single... I don't want to get anywhere near the Miami Dolphins. I don't want to get anywhere near Jacoby Brissett. Then you also have Will Fuller on the injured reserve. This is a battered, injury-hampered Miami Dolphins offense. I don't know how they stay close on the road against Tampa. I think the Bucks by 10. I like that number. I do as well. And I, I don't... They don't really have any way to test this Bucks defense. Like, the Bucks defense... Obviously battered up on the back end, banged up on the back end. Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, you are on your second, third corners, whatever. Grinkowski doubtful in this one. Yes, and, that, and that's big with Tom Brady. He obviously, that's who he goes to on Monday downs in, in the red zone. He trusts him, lets him make plays. So those are big injuries. But the highest pass blocking grade currently for a Miami Dolphins offensive lineman is 62.6. Their highest pass blocking grade is a liability still. Fair enough. And Robert I, Hunt. I do think that if you were it's bad, it's bad. So and you're going up against front four that's throws at you from every single angle. So you're 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 in trouble. You're in danger. I do think that if you were going to lean Miami, not in the money line, but the plus ten, you could talk yourself into it with the amount of injuries the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. Gronkowski's doubtful. Carlton Davis is questionable. Antoine Winfield Jr. is doubtful with a concussion. Jamel Dean questionable yeah. with a knee. I mean, this is a the secondary specifically, and and Richard Sherman, fellow PFF employee, coworker, is still battling back, trying to get up, you know, up to speed and and healthy. He even said that he was thrown into the fire this past week. So this will be a secondary that will be on its last leg. But do the Miami Dolphins even have the horses to take advantage of that weakness? I don't know. I just say Will Fuller just went on IR. You just trade Jakeem Grant. I'd feel better if those guys were all walking through that door and, you had and Tua was to there attack. too. And you had speed to attack it, but yeah. Fair enough. All right. Saints at football team. We have a two-point spread. Washington dogs, uh, two-point dogs at home. I lean, I lean New Orleans here. So does PFF Greenline, which you can get with the PFF Elite subscription, Ooh. a betting dashboard for all NFL and NCAA games. We have a 4% value on Saints minus two right now. Interesting. Which is a massive, massive edge when you're looking at cover probabilities in these things. So big fan of the Saints on Green Line. I'm going to ride with the numbers. I'm going to ride with the guy behind us all, Dr. Eric Eager. I like the Saints. By all means. I, I don't think this – I don't feel super strongly about this one. If I had to go one way, home dogs to the two-point line, Washington, I, I just like that. I, I think that that defensive line is just waiting to take over a game. And now maybe this isn't necessarily the week they do it, but I do think at least in the running game, they can slow down what New Orleans wants to do. And that's been, we talked about it on the review show, be the most fucking run heavy team in the NFL, mm -hmm. even though you don't have the rushing threat now at quarterback. So with guys like Calvin Throckmorton in there as backups, Andres Pete, who's been getting demolished this year, 21.5 pass blocking grade. I, I will lean watch football team and that defense but i also wanted to suggest a new segment and we've kind of touched on it with a few guys in ben rothsberger fletcher cox on the wednesday show the dying old men segment the cooked watch wow i think that everyone loves cooked talk everyone loves to declare someone oh cooked washed washed wash watch i don't know wash watch you need to think better. of a better name but i okay. like your heads up but cameron jordan we talk about. I don't. Cameron Jordan is one of my favorite players in the NFL. I love Cameron Jordan. I'm not ready to call him cooked. I'm just saying he's washed. Watch. It's not necessarily saying he is, but it's it's he's on watch. This is six pass blocking grade. He went up against Nate Soldo last week, and only three pressures. Pass rushing, yeah. Pass rushing. Excuse me. He hasn't had a game higher than sixty eight point six pass rushing grade so far this year. No. 
by the lowest graded pass rushing season since 2014 from him so far. He's in the frying pan, but we're not turning on the stove. All right. I'm just saying, watch, watch. We're all adding it to the so Wednesday Some key shows. injuries for Washington in this one. Jonathan Allen currently listed as questionable. Curtis Samuel also questionable. Scherf out with an MCL injury. And then you have the two running backs with an ankle and a shin. J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson both questionable. Obviously, chances those guys play. But some injuries on Washington's side at key positions. Meanwhile, the Saints only favored by two on the road. Ride the roller coaster, Jameis Winston, mm. to victory here. Um, moving to Eagles at Panthers. I think I think Stephon Gilmore is going to come in this game and he's going to single handedly get like four pick sixes. He's no. going to do what exactly? <laughs> um, Panthers Freezer. favored by three and a half over the Philadelphia Eagles. Continue to benefit from a cupcake schedule. I like the Panthers at three and a half. Green line doesn't see a value. The total is only set at forty five, but seventy one percent of the cash and sixty nine percent of the tickets are being bet on the Carolina Panthers at minus three and a half. I think overall. You know, yes, they didn't look good. You know, Dallas ended up beating them down late in that game. I still think, objectively, the Carolina Panthers are a better football team than the Philadelphia Eagles. Currently ranked 15th in PFF's power rankings while the Eagles ranked 28th. It is at home, three and a half. I don't love getting the hook. I think this could be a three-point game, but I think I'd take, Car- if I, I'd take Carolina if I was forced to bet. I'm, I'm struggling with this one because I kind of like the way the Eagles match up to a degree with Carolina. Um, like I think Giovanni Hargrave is going to have a monster game. And I think Carolina, they're 22nd in run defense grade this year, 28th in tackling grade. Like I, I think they will be able to have their way, the Eagles, on the ground if they want to. Now, they haven't committed to the run as much as I would have liked, but if they want to, I think they could. I'm going to go lean Eagles. Really? I, I don't love it, but I'm going to lean Eagles in this one. I disagree. I uh, obviously disagree. I mean, this defense Three and ranks- a half points, it's just, it has to be a, not, like, you can't, that's that's just a lot for teams that are, I don't want to say evenly matched, but I do think the Eagles match up well. This least. defense ranks second in EPA per play allowed, pre- second in pressure rate, and they're down Brandon Brooks, likely Lane Johnson, and Isaac Smalo. I think this okay. is going to be... Well, if they don't have Lane Johnson, I could maybe rethink that one. I think the offense line is going to be battered, and I think uh, Brian Burns and company are going to eat. I think they're going to eat, and Christian McCaffrey might be coming back. Full padded practice yesterday for CMC. Mm-hmm. You love to see? I will ah. say one thing we haven't talked about. Derek Brown is 60.7 overall. Dude, I was going to bring this up yesterday. He has not only graded four poorly. four pressures in four Has games. anyone even talked about him? I thought he was hurt. I had to go back and see if he's playing. Yeah, I watched. So I saw, who is it? Josh Cohen, who works for CBS, tweeted a clip about of a double team on Derek Brown where he just got like annihilated. like eight yards on field. I'm like, damn, that's uh, a little surprising. He's never, he's never been kind of a double team guy. He's more of your one-on-one nose tackle. Like it's, I think it's because his upper body is so absurdly built. Yeah. He's like so strong up top, but He's like built like an upside down little, pyramid. Yeah, a little like same thinner base than most three hundred thirty pound defensive tackles, and so issues with double teams. But like he's not even making plays really so far this year. So, um, I went back and watched the tape, and I was like, this is I was expecting more. I expected a little more, but I mean, it is still only four games, and we shall see. All not right. gonna not gonna put him on bus watch. Yeah, yeah. Don't, Jesus, we way too early for that. Kidding. Way too early for that. Uh, Patriots Texans Texans eight and a half point dogs at home over the Patriots. I mean, I I like this line. If oh now Are it's out to plus for the nine. Texans. I like this line. Stop betting on the Texans. Awesome. Can you can you let me fucking? Yeah. Finish? I like this line. It's actually out to plus nine now. 
if Davis Mills isn't fucking playing. <laughs> like, Davis Mills is a against-the-spread defeater, man. He's got a 35.1 PFF grade this year, the lowest in the NFL. 7% of his dropbacks are turnover-worthy plays. It's not enough. Don't bet the Texans for as long as Davis the Neck Mills is starting for them. This Guess what? The, it's a 9-point spread and a 39.5-point total. They're only the market's only expecting 39 points. That's absurd. I mean, this is a game I honestly stay away from. I don't even like betting the Patriots minus nine. Yeah, I like betting the Patriots minus nine. Really? Yeah. I, I, I'm staying away from it personally just because the total's so low. There is some value on Houston because of that. Um, but I'm not touching this game. I'm not touching Davis Mills, but I also don't trust the Patriots on such a short, uh, short total on the road to cover the nine. I do. And it's because... Which you just mentioned about everything about Davis Mills. <laughs> um, what about Michael Mwenu on the COVID list? You have to hope he comes back. Shaq Mason questionable with an abdomen injury. That is concerning. Isaiah Wynn also on the COVID list. Two of their starting yeah, offensive linemen. Yeah, that linemen. whole thing, the, the COVID list hitting their O-line is kind of bad if it comes to fruition this game. You even have Trent Brown, too, questionable with a cap. I mean, that's four offensive linemen on the injury report. If only you know two of those guys go or one of those guys go, that could be a concern. Not enough, again, to overcome, to, to, to lose, yeah. to lose to Davis Mills, but definitely enough to potentially not cover the nine. I think I'm not touching this game, but I have to pick a bet, don't I? It's part of the show. Fuck it. <laughs> Did I just go against my thing? Do I go, uh, I, I don't, I'm going Texans. Plus nine, right. Davis Mills, Davis Mills. Don't bet it late, though, because maybe you see some money pour onto the Patriots. Right at board four kick, and it gets out to plus ten. You get that extra your extra point. Then you take your your boy Davy Mills because already sixty one percent of the cash is on New England. You have to expect more of that to flood in. It was so much. Let's talk about cash and ticket splits for a second. There is such a benefit. Robbie Greer, a betting analyst at PFF.com, wrote a fantastic piece about betting early in the week. You gain so much value, closing line value, when you bet early in the week. Because as the game gets bet, the lines adjust based on who who's betting what side. And then from there, they adjust for efficiency. So by the time kickoff, that line is so efficient that Vegas is expecting a 50-50 split on this line. Maybe wait here, see if the Patriots gain a couple more points, and then slam on your boy, Davey Mills. All right. Green Bay Packers at Bengals. You're going to this game. Yes. So I'm taking Bengals plus three. Huh. No, I'm just kidding. I, I I don't know why this line is so low. I don't care that it's on the fucking road. Green Bay is a hop, skip, and a jump to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is not known for rowdy fan bases. And I lean the cash lead right now. Green Bay 60% of the cash. I think before this line gets to three and a half, four, take Green Bay right now. Yeah. This is one of my three. favorite lines of the week. Yeah, I like Green Bay at three, too. You got the the mic factor, me being in the house. No, you, pushing that, them over there. That helped Notre Dame. Screw it. Uh, to Notre Dame? No, they didn't cover. Um, <laughs> that obviously, no, so the last time I was there was actually when the games where Michael Finley got his career ended. Far through, or not far, Rogers threw two picks last time he was in Cincy. It was tough, tough to watch. They got, they lost by like 14. That was a terrible fumble. Oh, that was one of my least favorite games I've ever been to as a Packers fan. But is your mom going to the game? My mother's going, my father's going. You guys do anything after? Going, my niece is going. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Hit me I up. I should play some. Uh, no, you're not invited. All right. But yeah, Packers, I will say without Jair Alexander, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about this defense. I'll say it. But not enough. I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers putting up points against this Bengals team either. I, I don't, you know, I think I got clowned on social media because I did not see a chance that the Bengals cover the line or one outright against Cincinnati, or against Steelers. Against the Steelers. 
The Green Bay Packers are a much better football team than the Steelers. I think we could all side we by proved that. that last week. They definitely proved that. And I think the Green Bay Packers, in my opinion, are the better football team here. They're only favored by three. I think they cover the three and they win this football game. I think that. But I'm not saying, I'm never going to say again, there's no way the Cincinnati Bengals cover. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I won't say it because there is a way. There's always a way. Any given Sunday. But I like Green Bay minus three. Before we jump to Tennessee at Jacksonville, which I think is historically a Derrick Henry game. Yeah. A big Derrick Henry game. I have to bring up DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Has a week five offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943, bro. So I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at, a million, at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Throw $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a freaking point. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Titans at Jags. Jags, four and a half point dogs at home. There is not a chance in hell. A snowball's chance in hell. You're saying it. I bet on fucking Urban Meyer after the Jacksonville Jaguars broke practice, grind on three, one, two, three, grind. This man hasn't just lost the locker room. He has become the butt cheeks, not the butt, the butt cheeks of every joke in Jacksonville right now. There are probably sides of that locker room that if you back Urban Meyer, you're getting roasted. I'm sorry. There's just no way. Tennessee yep. Titans cover this number on the road, four and a half. I will not be betting Urban a single time this week. I just don't get why he's so corny. Like, why is he so over the top with his? He's dealt with children theatrics. his entire life. It's like he's like he has not adjusted so to working with yeah. professionals. He looks it's so overly dramatic. Like everything surrounding all of he this. apologized again yesterday. I mean, it's a disaster. Yeah, I this this feels like a game that could just go south and south quickly. And you said you teased the this the classic Derrick Henry game. It's like it's probably gonna be another one. They they don't they, they don't have a great run defense. They don't have a great shit any defense. But like there's no there's no guys walking through that door that give me hope that are like oh yeah this guy can shut down Derrick Henry. That guy that guy against Derrick Henry that's a that's a good match for the Jags. So yeah, I mean I I as much as I feel like Trevor turned a bit of a corner last week and that you'll see more of the guy we saw on Thursday night than the guy we saw weeks one, two, and three for the rest of the season. I agree with that. And that at least evens this playing field. It does not overcome the entire Urban Meyer circus factor. <laughs> and the fact that AJ Brown practiced this week, I'm going to go Titans. Trevor Lawrence playing as well as he did Thursday night or even 10, 15% improved is not enough for the Jags to win this game, or I think it covers enough. Well, I mean, if so if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are out, I would probably lean Jags at this line. If they're out? Yeah. Okay. Or like out playing? Out, not playing. Oh, okay. means not playing. Okay. I'm when just saying, why are you taking the Jags ever? if they're out? I'm saying if if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are out, I would take the Jags. But if one, one of them plays, I'd take Titans. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think that's a big matchup to not have your top two wide receivers. 
I'm confused. Oh, I'm confused. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Now, now I'm here. Now I'm here. What part of that needed explaining? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jacksonville on defense. Everyone focus on the offense. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. etc. Thirty-first ranked defense in EPA per play against. And Ryan Tannehill, after a week one, has been one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the NFL. I do think that the Titans' offense roles, especially if they have one of their receivers. I'm sorry, I couldn't understand that. Um, that I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm not touching the circus factory. And I'm gonna look at the. Ca- Quinn, if the broadcast team doesn't make one fucking joke on Urban Meyer, it's a miss. You got so many entendres, you do so many things. Yeah. I want it. I need it. It's just like if they lose, you're like, hey, Urban Meyer doesn't have to fly home with the team at least. You know, something, come on, give me something like that. A lot like of that. grind jokes. Uh, yeah, at least grind. a grind. I need something, man. He was grinding the tape last night. That's all I need. I don't ask for a lot. I don't. I don't. How often do I call the broadcast teams? Never. All right. Broncos at Steelers. Steelers, Steelers favored by one at home. I'm not, I'll say this. I'm not touching Big Ben. I hope he doesn't touch me. Uh, but I do think that the Broncos plus one is my favorite bet in this one. I don't like, I don't love betting it because you got the Drew Locke factor. But the defense for Denver is legit. And they've been legit all season long. They Has rank, Teddy been completely ruled out? I don't know if he's been completely ruled out. But... Yeah. There is a chance that Drew Locke plays. Yeah. I think that's baked into this one-point spread. Mm-hmm. And Denver right now, top three defense in EPA per play allowed. And I think they're going to freaking slaughter Big yeah. Ben in this offense. Especially, I think Chase Claypool might be out in this game where he, I think he's like battling an injury to come back. This is, uh, this is an offense that, in more ways than one, um, struggling. So I think Denver uh, suffocates them and they win this one. Uh, and they cover the one, obviously. Yeah, I, I can't good conscience take Big Ben against a real team. Like, it's, I can't. I'm sorry, like he's, we, you said it, the lowest grade quarterbacks in the NFL are all rookies and Big Ben. Yeah. That's the level of football he's playing right now. Sadly. He's in the same, he's in the same sentence with Davis Mills. And did you see that video that was going around on Twitter yesterday about Urban? No, Big Ben with Chris Sims this is a couple, from a couple years oh, ago. Yeah. It's a whole video where it, Chris Sims is asking him, he's like, hey, how do you hold the football? Are you a five and two guy? Ben's like, I mean, you know, I'm not sure. And Chris is like, okay, we'll grab it. And he's like, okay, I grab it like this. And he's like, oh, you are a five and two guy. He's like, what do you work on your mechanics in the offseason? He's like, I just throw it to my son. He's like, usually I take the whole offseason off. And I'm like, this guy is a legend. Like, he, he, he was a natural. He was, like, such a natural. It was very reminiscent of, like, Brett Favre, where it's like, if he had to think about these things, he probably would have been way worse. But just because he didn't, like, he just, all he focuses on is, he said, what do you think about when you drop back to pass? Complete it. This is what I think about. It's like that is also Hilarious. why when like the when the arm goes, when like the things that were there before it go, he has nothing really to fall back on to be like focus on X Y Z. It's all just like mm, it's not really there anymore. Too late to adjust the grip on the ball, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's also probably why he's not going to end up coaching. I see him taking a yeah. Jay Cutler retirement. You know, I where can I, I can see a reality show. I can see a handful of things. Maybe not a reality show. Maybe a Maybe a bachelor situation. You don't want to get a reality <laughs> show, Big Ben. That would be bad content. What would be the best case scenario for Big Ben's retirement post? What, I, would, what would you want? Literally, to do? he probably is going to go hunting and fishing like daily. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe a, a reality show with Brett though. And him and Brett just <laughs> slinging it. I don't know. They get a house they, together. They try to coach quarterbacks. If Terry like, Bradshaw like, can have a fucking reality better. show, have you seen the fucking commercial stat? I have not. I don't watch much. Terry TV, Bradshaw but. is getting a reality show. I think it's like sleeping with. Nah, I, uh, let me find this garbage. I'll, I'll I'll get back to you on that. Let's get to the next game. Lions at Vikings. Vikings favored by nine over the hapless Detroit Lions. Um, it's at home. I think there's a lot of me that leans 
the Minnesota Vikings to cover the number, but nine is big. Give a take, dude. Don't fucking just waffle here. It's it's the it's the Vikings. You go in the Vikings here because the Lions not only have no one that can cover Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson, and they don't. Sadly, Jeffrey Kuda out for the season. They also don't have an offense. They were the worst offense in the NFL. They they cannot score points. Full stop. They're just like they like Penny Sewell, God love him, is still not a quality left tackle in the NFL. Like you have issues in pass protection. Uh and you just you have Jared Goff throwing nobody's. It's it's a sad state of affairs. So that's why I'm leading Vikings to cover nine. Green line has value on Detroit. I don't know. I don't know. I definitely like the under in this game. Okay. 49 and a half. I think I'm leaning the under over the over. I think this is not going to be. If it's anything, it's going to be a lopsided affair. Um, I'm not taking Detroit, though. I'm going against Green Line. I'm sorry. I'm going Minnesota. I don't. Jared Goff and that offense is horrendous. And defensively, they're the 32nd ranked defense in P, PFF's power ranking. Like, that is, I mean, going against Justin Jefferson, who has looked like nearly unguardable this year. Adam Thielen. I mean, this is an offense. And Kirk Cousins, too, highest graded passer under, uh, from a clean pocket this season. He's not, there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him this week. I think um, Minnesota over covers the nine. I'm going to agree with you there. Cleveland Browns at Chargers. Before I get to the Cleveland Browns at Chargers, though, I have to bring up another proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. It is um, Western Southern. Tailgate is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group, as you can see by the helmet on set. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day, team up to identify your needs and adjust your goals with a game plan built just for you. Just get started at westernsouthern.com. Here we go. Browns at Chargers. Chargers favored by one and a half. I'm all in on the Chargers. Chargers cover the number. They win this game. Justin Herbert's playing better football than Baker Mayfield. Give me it on a one and a half point spread at home. Are you kidding Justin Herbert's a better quarterback in this one. He takes it. I am leading the Browns because, and I hate to say this, he's our boy, but Jerry Tillery. Oh, no. That that defensive front, is they, they get moved off the ball far too easily. They have the seventh worst run defense grade in for, for PFF right now. The Browns have the best offensive line in the NFL. Best run blocking, at least. They are going to... They're going to have whatever they want on the ground. And that's that's what this offense relies on. So I, I just think so the matchup-wise, Browns have a pass success offensively. The opposite side of the ball, I think the Chargers, like, obviously you're not going to completely shut down Justin Herbert, but this defense is playing lights out football. They just shut the shit down against the Vikings. Like, gave them absolutely nothing. Miles Garrett, I, I don't care that Rashawn Slater's playing well. Miles Garrett's going to beat everybody he faces this year. It's going to be an absolute test for him. That's going to be great football to watch. So, Lynn Browns. Lean I mean, Browns. in addition, I mean, obviously a lot of the focus has been on the offense. Justin Herbert, Mike Williams playing well, Keenan Allen, Rashawn Slater, and Austin Eckler, too, against the Las Vegas Raiders, put on a show. But defensively, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, they have a top 10 defense yeah, year per play. I mean, this is a well-rounded fit team with a coach too that knows when to take risks. I mean, he's going for, he went for four fourth downs against Raiders yeah. and got all of them. Yeah. And you saw that comment or that pro- presser where he talked about the run game and its importance. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people. Oh, every analytics guy was like. Every, even Jeff Schwartz liked it. Yeah. He hit all. I think Trevor Sikaba, PFF yeah. analyst, had that tweet where he's like, 
Will Smith for everybody. Will Smith everyone, everybody. Everyone loved it. Football guy loved it. And uh, what I'll add to that though, so he, the initial part of that, he says, you need the run game to take breathers. And so I, I saw someone comment, I was like, I've never seen it explained this way. I know someone explained it that way two years ago. Eric Eager in the office said the reason you lean on the run game is because you need like rest, mental like break. you need like mental break for your quarterback. And I don't think he obviously- well, just even like just a pressure break where it's like, hey, it's not all on you. Yeah, this could be this is part of it too. And I do think there's an element that what Staley was saying about the physical toughness and like you need to. This is an opportunity to impose your will and that kind of shit. So my pushback to that, and I know, that's uh, just it's not really pushback. But like the 97, 98 Broncos, they ran outside zone every time. Outside zone might as well be pass protection yeah, from a physicality standpoint. You're, you're not jacking a dude off the ball. That's was oh, sounded what? horrible. What? <laughs> but you're not doing that. Are you blocking anyone said. either? <laughs> but like you're not, it, you're, I mean, like I said, it's, it's basically just pass protection. Yeah. You are not. You're moving way more laterally than you're you not, are. Yeah, right? you're not imposing your will on another human being the way that you know duo would be so that would be my only pushback to the you gotta have the physical aspect so well like you know outside zone heavy teams uh have worked in the past i think there is some opportunity to quantify some of that some of the effects of the toughness factor looking at specific run concepts and how often certain players are getting driven off the ball and how that affects like their pressure rate and stuff like that i mean i think some people see it as unquantifiable i think there is especially with next gen stats and fucking chips in every helmet mm -hmm. i do think there's some opportunity to say like okay they're getting average on average one one and a half yards of push along the defensive line on their runs and that's affecting some of the pressure i mean there is opportunity to look at it more people smarter than me could potentially dive in but yeah, i do think i that have no interest in that but there is an you opportunity. don't have interest in anything okay shut your mouth all right um next game bears raiders bears at raiders raiders favored by five and a half i don't i think if the raiders win against the chargers this number is closer to seven yeah and I think the Raiders just as good as they were for through the first three weeks. I like the Raiders at minus five and a half. Yeah, I just I Raiders offensive line is a problem. It's like if they had an offensive line, if they didn't cut their entire offensive line from last year. Um, I'd feel a lot better about them in this game. But oh oops, they have, you know, one of the worst O lines in the NFL, sadly. And they're they're trying to move Leatherwood around, which never never backfires on moving a rookie all over to left guard and right guard. But I still like the Raiders. I mean, they, they still, at least on the other side of the ball, match up well against Justin Fields, I believe. With, I mean, their edge rushers going against the Bears tackles is obviously a mismatch. I I, I liked the, the Bears game plan from last week. I, I think they should utilize, to win this game, they had hopes they should utilize Fields more in the run game. Not... Not actually giving him quarterback run carries, but like option runs. They, 11 of their 52 runs since he's been in have had an option to them, you know, like an option look. That has to be higher. Like you don't have to, he doesn't have to keep it, but that option look provides so much just more for the defense to worry about in that regard. Like even if it's just Russell Wilson, what they used to do with him in the running game when they had Marshawn Lynch, where it was any inside zone was all was inside zone with read option. Like they would, I think it was like 40 or so percent of their runs when it was Legion of Boom in their heyday were option runs. And that's, and Russell's not pulling a lot of them, but it's just freezing that guy at the end of the line for a split second. And Dave Montgomery with the head of, gives him the chance to get ahead of steam, head in the line of scrimmage. So 
I, I would, I don't think they're going to do that. Obviously, at this point, I don't think they're going to change up their usage plan. And so, for that reason, I'm leading Raiders. I, I'm leading Raiders as well as you know. I, I think the offense is better than what the Chicago Bears have been trotting out, and also the offensive line. While it has been bad, they have done a good job of getting the ball out quickly. You know, they don't even rank inside. You know, they don't even rank below yeah. average in pressure rate allowed because. You know, they're accommodating this offensive line or they're taking into account how bad this offensive line is. I will say this moving Alex Leatherwood from right tackle to left guard to right guard and right tackle in practice is probably not great for his fucking development or his confidence. And so far this season, Alex Leatherwood is the lowest grade tackle in the NFL. And Andre James, their center, is the lowest grade center. Colt Miller is the only thing that's keeping this thing alive. Yeah. And a- you have the blind side protected. I, I, I think the, the state of the offensive line is bad, but that shows up more, in my opinion, in the run game. They are averaging the lowest yards before contact per attempt of any team in the NFL. You know, jo- whether it's Josh Jacobs, Peyton Barmer, or the Joker, Kenyon Drake, no one's getting yeah. any open lanes. Forcing this offense to be one-dimensional, letting guys like Joey... And that just factors in more off. on the... Yeah, they could tee yeah. off on the offensive line. So they have issues that are keeping them, in my opinion, from legitimate contender status. I still think they have an opportunity to make the postseason or even make a postseason run, but they're not in that legitimate contender status with the state of this offensive line. And honestly, their defense... Now hampered by injuries, Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen both left that game with injuries. We'll see if they can play this week. That, that's enough to say like, hey, you are only going to maybe be five and a half point favorites against the Bears. You're yeah. not going to be seven, 10 point favorites. So the more I think about it, I do think that this line may be right around it. I still think the Raiders bounce back, even in a Khalil Mack revenge tour. I, uh, I had a guy in preseason. So Charles McDowell tweeted out a video. It was like, hey, Alex Leatherwood kind of looked good in this game in like 15 snaps or whatever. I had a guy quote, or tag me and said, are you willing, are you going to apologize now for your Leatherwood slider? Like, dude, he showed three clips in the run game. It's preseason. Can I say this? Alex Leatherwood sure. could finish this season as the lowest grade of tackle. It would not mean and he's a bust. Yeah. yeah, it does not mean he's a bust. It's hard to play tackle in the NFL yeah. as a rookie, especially... Colton Miller fucking like finished the exactly, season exactly. as the It wasn't as bad tackle. as Leatherwood, though. Okay, yeah. Through first four games, let Colton Miller only allowed 12 pressures. Alex Leatherwood was allowed 18, including a couple sacks and even some strip sacks as well. So he's been worse <laughs> than Colton Miller has. It does not mean it's a death knell for him. Yeah. It's tough to play tackle in the NFL, especially when you're a consensus second, third round pick. You know, I mean, this is not a guy that was supposed to be drafted, or at least from the data we have, expected to be drafted yeah. in the first round. So he has high expectations. They set a high bar for him. He's not meeting those. Don't. The jury mm-hmm. is still out. Mm-hmm. 49ers at Cardinals. Cardinals favored by five and a half, another five and a half point line. I was surprised to only see it at five and a half. I still think they're, the market is baking in are the Cardinals fool's gold situation. Are, are we really w- willing to go in that the Cardinals are one of the best teams in the NFL? I think if the Rams are in this game, they're favored by a higher clip. I think if the Bucks are in this game, they're favored by a higher clip. Jimmy G battling this injury. I think he's expected to play in this game. Mm-hmm. I still like the Cardinals at home to roll and cover the five and a half. I like the 49ers here. Really? Because... Cardinals run defense is a mess. That's the, there's anything been kind of Achilles heel to this team. They're actually, they've given up 543 yards on the ground this year, four games at 5.4 yards per carry. They are a sieve and you go and watch the tape and they're just, the gap control is disastrous. So that's not something you can necessarily get away with against Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. I know they've struggled offensively in the running game rolling through running backs left and right but i i think if there's any sort of get right game for this 49ers offense it is this one so i think five and a half i don't think these are two 
super unevenly matched teams that I would. So I'm going 49ers. I do think that you you mentioned the, the San Francisco 49ers offense struggling. They're still you know a top 10 offense in efficiency. A lot of that being yards after the catch. I think they've benefited from having guys wide open, guys like Debo Samuel, who I think currently leads the NFL in receiving yards does. through four weeks. But you look at the percentage of yards that are coming after the catch for the San Francisco 49ers. You see only, what, 60% are actually going, uh, or 60% is coming after the catch so far this year for the San Francisco 49ers, one of the top five rate in, in the NFL right now. So I, I, I think that is not sustainable. I think they're going to need to get some things done over the top against this defense. This defense is playing well to start the season. I think Cardinals, with that offense and a defense that I think knows the San, hopefully knows the San Francisco 49ers limitations, can counteract what Kyle Shanahan throws at him. I like the five and a half. Okay. All right. Giants at Cowboys. Cowboys favored by seven against the fourth highest graded passer in the NFL, Daniel Jones. Jones. I love the Giants at plus seven. I love the Giants at plus seven. Cowboys are playing well. They should win this game. Daniel Jones is also playing well. Kadarius Toney had the first highlight of his NFL career this past week. Defensively, the Giants up front should be able to. They're playing well up front. I'll tell you that. Against the run specifically, they're playing well. Limit Zeke Elliott, force his offense to be a bit more one-dimensional. Do they have the horses on the back end to slow the Dallas Cowboys? Maybe not. But I think Daniel Jones puts up enough on this defense that, yes, is admittedly playing well. Dallas, Cow Dallas Cowboys defense is playing a lot better than it did last year. I think that the Giants could come in and, and cover the seven. See, I'm not sure there's any slowing down this Cowboys offense. It it's It's right up there with, you know, almost Chiefs level in terms of the stuff they can throw at you. And because the running game is back to being as dominant as it was, you know, 2015, 2016, like the levels, that that levels, I, I think they are back to that as a unit. And with all the weapons they have on the outside, forcing teams into favorable run looks. So I do think this, as much as the Giants and I like their interior defensive line, I, I still think Cowboys are willing are able to move it seemingly at will and for as well as daniel jones playing we've said it to be as highly great as he is and to be as putrid as an offense as they've been i still i think the cowboys roll away with it really yeah Man. I, I did love Kadarius Tony. watch Kadarius Tony last week though he's still electric with the ball in his hands now is he going to get much more besides screens and like hitch routes i don't know but we'll see he when he does it's fun to watch hashtag <laughs> hashtag fun to watch i I think they'll get, they, they should get Sterling Shepard back in this game. I think that was a big loss for them last week. I think that'll help the offense, too. Um, you know, the Cowboys are still battling a handful of injuries slash suspensions. Lael Collins, Michael Gallup out in this game. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence still on the injured reserve. No more Jalen Smith. It's a factor. It's a factor. Um, I'll take the Giants plus seven. Do it. Do it. I will. Bills at Chiefs. Sunday night football. Chris on the call. Chiefs favorite. I do think it's half. fine, though. I will just say this. Giants were minus seven to the Saints last week. You know, and now they're plus seven the Cowboys. And now it's like maybe tad overreaction line. Bills at Chiefs. Chiefs two and a half favorites at home. Chris was talking to me about this game. He's like, I gotta take the bill. You know, you got you you like the Bills in this one, you like the Chiefs in this one. I'm leaning Chiefs. I'm yeah. a big fan of the Chiefs. Chiefs two and a half at home. Patrick Holmes, better quarterback, not even getting three at home. The better quarterback not even getting three at home, I refuse. This is a Chiefs line. I'm taking the Chiefs. I am as well. And it's like, I, I just don't think the Bills did enough in the offseason to, yeah, the defense has been great because they played no one offensively. Yeah. Worth a damn. It's like, you could, they still haven't addressed the how do we shut down Tyree Kill problem. 
that has plagued them. They might have Cameron Lewis starting in the slot guarding him, a UDFA from a couple years ago with 122 career snaps with if Teron Johnson is out. Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer also on it banged up, may not play in this one. If that's the case, it's like Chiefs all day. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Chiefs. So Chiefs minus two and a half, yeah, we'll take that. I mean, at that number two, you're pretty much saying who's going to win this game. You know, so few so few games land under three. Two, yeah. And I think the Chiefs at home, man, I don't – this is an overreaction. The Chiefs, I know, have not had the greatest start. Patrick Mahomes I – mean, did you see that ESPN power rankings graphic? That ESPN put out a power rankings oh, graphic. Oh, that they were in the top ten? They weren't in the top ten. That is ridiculous. Yeah. If the Chiefs aren't a top 10 team in the NFL on your power rankings, your power rankings aren't accurate. Like, they're legitimately, like, not even, like, technically accurate. <laughs> yes. I mean, Eric's response to it was perfect. It's like, how many of these teams would even be favored over the Chiefs at home? Maybe, like, one? At, at their own home. Yeah, at their own home. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Not a lot. Maybe one or two? Bills here are technically getting a half point because you always kind of assume the three at home. But, like, the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL. And they have the number one defense in EPA per play allowed. I think it will be a game, but I think the Chiefs win by three. And they're not fucking outside the top 10 power rankings. I'm sorry. I don't care what your list says. Colts at Ravens. Ravens favored by seven over Wentz and the Colts. This is a line I kind of want to stay away from because a lot of me wants to bet Baltimore, but I know that, you know, Indy's, Indy is, uh, Indy's in a good place to maybe slow them down. I think uh, that defense is playing better of late. Yeah, so I I don't love Baltimore's offense against this indie defense. I think they have speed at all three levels that to be able to shut down what the Ravens want to do, at least to a degree, absolutely. Um, but also, I don't love Colts' offense against this Ravens defense. You know, like the blitzes and stuff they're throwing at him with the backups that Indy's throwing out along their offense line, or just the lack of cohesion we've seen along this offensive line so far. The lowest graded pass blocking unit in the NFL. Who the hell would have thought that? Uh, heading into this season, everyone's like, oh, Wentz is about to have good pass direction. Eh, maybe not. But so him against that. Now he hasn't had a turnover of the play this year. Carson yeah. Wentz, one of two quarterbacks, him and Tom Brady. But it's not like he's been playing good football either. It's literally just that. You know, I'm going to lean more into Baltimore. Yeah. I, Baltimore. I'm going Baltimore. That was, that was a long way of saying I'm going Baltimore. Baltimore minus seven. They're objectively the better football team. And I would say objectively better on both sides of the ball. You know, even that defense is playing a lot better this year. Seven is a lot, you know, the full score. But I think it comes back to Carson Wentz is not the guy, you know, so far this season on offense. I think go toe-to-toe with Baltimore offensively. So I think I will lean Baltimore as well. Carson Wentz, only 22 completions targeted 10-plus yards downfield this year so far. Wow. That's uh, it's a low number. That is a low number. Before we get to the college football prospect primer and the interviews with Andrew Booth Jr. and Darian Kennard, it's football season, baby. And you know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitz through hairs. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the 2 million men worldwide, including Mike Renner and Austin Gale, who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's just it's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. You have to use the lawnmower 4.0. You live by it. You leverage the lawnmower 4.0 every day or every other day, every week. Weekly. Weekly. That's Weekly. good. That's good. I use it every hour, just to stay perfectly clean 
down low. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn on 4,000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Then I mentioned the trimmer's waterproof too. Rain, snow, sleet are no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. There's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code PFF. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. If my pubes were going to the playoffs, we'd have some fucking problems because you don't want to see that. I didn't want to hear that either. <laughs> Prospect Primer, Dante Demas Jr. Out for the season after the gruesome oh. hyperextended knee. That thing was nasty. Nasty for Maryland. Um, so you have... Uh, Rakeem Jarrett. No, I've interviewed him. He goes by Rakim. Rakim. Rakim Jarrett. He corrected me on the pod. <laughs> it's Rakim. Rakim Jarrett versus Seven Banks and Darrell Nachami versus Nicholas Petit-Briere. I believe that one's just Chami. We haven't talked about much in this So there's a silent N in Chami? S silent N. I had to look it up. Maybe This Maryland-Ohio State game will also... I know Talia Tungvaluwa just got battered against Iowa. What's the line? Like 21 or something? I think it's a little bit too stretched. I oh. think Maryland is where I'm betting for Ohio State. It's a, I think it's an obvious overreaction. I mean, you had Talia throw what? Like six picks, five picks in that game? I think... Um, I don't know. I think I would rather bet them knowing that the market's fading them after a monster loss than I would bet, you know, an up mm -hmm. and down Ohio State. The line is 21. All right. But Tachami versus Petit Frere, I think it's probably the best edge rusher he's seen yet so far this season. The left tackle for Ohio State. Tachami has a 84.9 pass rushing grade for Maryland, has turned it on of late, already 12 pressures over his last three games. He's a long six foot five, four, 255-pounder, played really well. Had a 95.4 pass rushing grade on only 99 snaps last year. Now, that's a tiny sample size. Um, but this guy has a number of different moves, likes length. So he's going to give Petit Frere a nice little uh, little tester. Now, he's not, I don't think he's super explosive, Chami, but he knows how to use his hands well. And that's it's always good to see OTs go up against guys like that. So we shall see. And Nicholas Petit Friere was one of the top 25 players on Mike Maddox's draft board. Where is he currently ranked for you? I think he's 31st in the PFF draft board, so he's up there. 31st on the PFF draft board. So next one we have here is a friend of the show. He's on this show. Darian Kennard, a.k.a. DK, a.k.a. one of the highest-graded pass-blocking pass offensive tackles in the Power 5, going against this LSU defense, mm -hmm. chock-full of edge talent. Yeah. Because I brought it up to him on the interview. said, hey, man, there's, uh, there's some talent on this defense. What do you see early on tape? And obviously I brought up Allie Gay. You bring up... Uh, BJ Ujulari, but you know he said he focused on the most. Or he didn't say he focused on the most, but he's like, oh, you got to see this guy. Zero. I think he's like a true freshman, Mason Smith. He said, this guy's getting some run, and this guy's got some juice. He's another guy that he's, he's preparing for this week. He's played 156 snaps this season. Interesting. But yeah. I, I mean, I, Mason Smith leads the team in pressures with 19. So uh, they're all kind of different edge guys. Gay, a little longer, taller. Ujulari, shorter, quicker. Give Kadar throw a different throw a few different things at him. So be a nice tape to watch for him. I think it's gonna be one of the better tapes to watch with the versatility of the pass rushers. Mason Smith also get also getting mixed in there as well. Next, Texas AM's Kenyon Green going against Will Anderson. This will be a treat. Yes. So Kenyon Green, uh, the only thing is, is he going to play guard or is he going to play 
tackle in this game because they have been flipping him back and forth. Is the only worry I have. But if he has guard, well, that's fucking Kenny Green against Federer Mathis. So uh, you will get a good matchup when you are playing as an offensive lineman. Usually, you'll get a good matchup to watch when you're playing Alabama's defensive line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, getting any top offensive tackle against Bama is always going to be a dub or top offensive lineman. Um, Kenny Green, though, he's played three, four different positions on the offensive line this year for Texas A&M. That is a that is a great Tough. way to make a guy not grade well in the PFF system. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. fucking difficult to play multiple positions like that. The other matchup to watch in this matchup game. Matchup of the weekend? Matchup of the weekend. The top prospect matchup that I believe you'll see PFF board-wise all season long. DeMarvin Leal, Texas A&M edge rusher against Evan Neal, the left tackle for Alabama. That is, that is a freakish 1v1 matchup, the likes of which happens on Sundays, not on Saturdays. I'm excited, man. That one's going to be great. Leal's tape is one some of the best to watch every single week because he moves so differently. And then Evan Neal's so similar. I mean, this guy is probably one of the, if not the most freakish athlete in college football. I mean, when you factor in the size to, you know, the mm-hmm. weight to speed and athleticism ratio, I mean, he is rare. We over to, overuse the term rare. But Evan Neal is fucking rare. Rare. All right. On to he's trivia. Medium. He's medium rare. On to- no, I've seen rare. Medium rare. All right, on to trivia and the mailbag. Yeah. Trivia, Quinn, are you prepped? I am prepped. Let's run it. Also, the name of the show that you were looking for earlier, The Bradshaw Bunch. The Bradshaw Bunch. I, mm. I, I, so I didn't bring it up because I didn't want to you know, derail the show as much as I already do. Um, it's called The Bradshaw Bunch. They've already had a season. Really? And it's about him and his family on the ranch. How the fuck does that make TV? Apparently season two is getting ready to drop soon. Is it like Duck Should Dynasty? Should we do live reviews of every episode on this pod? Because I will. If you well, don't know we now, start watching one we might have to. One of the episode names was like, get in the fast lane. I want to fucking flip this desk over. The fact that he has a show is ridiculous. I will say I did like Duck Dynasty a lot back in the day. It was one of my favorite shows. This is not Duck how are you even gonna make that comparison? I mean, that's what's that's that's what I'm picturing in my head with who Terry Bradshaw is. Terry Bradshaw played with uh, one of the Duck Dynasty and guys. That's, yeah, I think that's also why. If they the, the the that was the grandpa's name, Pulisic. the old guy, yeah, because yeah. they're both old. I'm mm-hmm. upset. I'm upset. All right, let's get to the trivia. All right, all right let's do trivia. <laughs> all right, tailgate is headed down the road to see number five Cincinnati take on Temple on Friday tomorrow. This player was Temple's last first-round pick and is the highest-ranked owl in the PFF draft board history. Hassan Reddick. Nailed it. That was easy. It's not the best owl in the NFL, though. It's probably Ioannidis or Robbie Anderson. One of those two. All right. Robbie? Slobby Anderson? All right. Number two. On Saturday, next day, a little doubleheader action. Tailgate is headed down to Lexington to see LSU against number 16, Kentucky. Kentucky offensive tackle and today's guest, Darian Kennard, is right outside the first round on PFS board at th- uh, 33 overall. Name the last three Wildcats taken in the first round. Josh oh. Allen. The edge. Yes. Um, Man. Hockey. How far do we have to go back? I have no idea. All defense. Wait, Jamin Davis. Oh, the yeah, fuck one. me. Um, I think they had a corner. Oh, no, he went in second round. Kevin Joseph. I was thinking way back. That's way too far back. It's like a D-way yeah, can office. we get a position? I'll get it. Edge. Oh, it's edge. Kentucky edge. Oh, Bud Dupree. Bud there Dupree. We well done. Bud Dupree. Yep. I was going. I was going D. Wayne Robertson, who went like 
four overall at DT. That was a way easier question than we made it. Yeah, that was. I was thinking too far back. All right. Last one here. Derek Stingley Jr. is currently PFS number three player on the 2022 draft board and could be a top five pick. Mm. Name the last five LSU Tigers taken in the top five. Joe Burrow, Leonard Fournette. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. No. Bengals took Panay Sewell at number five overall. <laughs> um, Jamarcus Russell? No. Patrick Peterson. Uh, Pat Patrick Pete. Um, you got one more. There's got to be one. Is it before or after Pat Pete? Uh, it's after Pat Pete. Okay. Defense, though. I'll get it. Devin White. Devin White. Nice. You got it. Nice. That's it. That's all I got. All right. I have the know your co-host question. Um, You ready? Yeah. I threw parties while my dad was away in high school. They were fucking bangers too. They were bangers. They were bangers. He showed up to one and did one of the following. Oh, did you drink, bro? Punched two holes in the wall. Okay. Shot everyone at the party with a Nerf gun. Mm. Threw my friend out a window. Threw up on the floor. Oh, man. They're all so plausible. They're all just <laughs> the Nerf gun one seems the least plausible if we're being honest here. I'll go with uh with the puked on the floor. It's all of the above. Oh, it was. <laughs> That's why they're all too plausible. So we had this Nerf gun <laughs> that it was a Nerf rocket launcher. So you put it on the tip of this thing and then yeah. you have to jack it up with air or whatever the fuck you're doing. Exactly. And he would just, just like come out of the room and just bl- just blast people in the face. He also threw my friend out a window and he punched two holes in the wall, mm. which is rough. And he threw up on the floor. It was a great party. Though. One night? All <laughs> yeah. the same night? Yeah, it was a banger. Oh, okay. Well, yikes. It was a club banger. Um, all right. Mine's a little bit tamer. <laughs> <laughs> I wore number 34 growing up in all sports because of what? Athlete. 34? Ricky yeah. Williams? No, it's a basketball player. Oh. Did Ricky Williams even wear 34? <laughs> um, in the NFL, I think he did. Um, basketball player? I don't fucking know. Um, probably a Milwaukee Buck. You're on something. Mm, who are even some good Bucks legends? I don't know. I don't follow basketball. Ray Allen. Oh, Ray Allen was played for the Bucks. Got game. Yeah, I didn't know that. Started his career with the Bucks. Who knew? I knew him as a Celtic only. Yeah, and then a Heat guy. And then a Heat. I hate to see it. My youth showing up. Shall we get to the mailbag here? Let's get to the mailbag. All right, Jeffrey McCauley. Shout out. First, how hyped should I be for Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson? If you get us, that's first. All right, so that one, it's like this year. I get that everyone's clamoring for him to beat out Emory Jones, but my take on, I feel like backups in college. Like, never come in and outplay the starters. It's because the coach has seen the guy through spring camp, through preseason, has seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dropbacks from this guy in their offense and chose for him not to be the starter. You know, like Emory Jones, maybe next year for Anthony Richardson, but if he couldn't beat him out this year, it's likely not because he's playing a lot, lot better football. And just that the coach wants Emery to have his time. It's like, no, Emery was probably playing better in camp. And it's like, then that probably means he's the one who likely played better in the games. His second question, if you could assemble the top six to 10 schools worth of NFL players, which teams could compete with a regular NFL squad? Alabama is kind of a cheat code, but if you could fill, if you could fill out starting 11s from just Florida or Notre Dame, could one beat an NFL team? 
QB is a bit tough with some squads. Oh, it was just Florida Notre Dame. I thought he was using when I wrote my answer to this question. I thought he was using Florida Notre Dame as like a barometer for good programs. No, yeah, I, I like the first part of that. What would you do with the top six to ten schools? So I, I, the one I think would be the most hashtag fun to watch, or at least the team that is the best offensively, in my opinion, would be Oklahoma. Oklahoma would be a juggernaut offensively. Listen to this: Kyler Murray quarterback, Joe Mixon running back. You got Hollywood Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Sterling Shepard at wide receiver. Mark Andrews tight end. But then their offensive line, I think, is the best offensive line you can make from any school in the NFL right now. Trent Williams at left tackle. You put Orlando Brown at left guard. I know he said he's left tackle, but put him at left guard. Tell him whatever you're playing. You have to factor in he won't play. Yeah, because that's, that is the factor. Then you would put out of Cody Ford at left guard. Creed Humphrey at center. Darrell Williams at right guard. Lane Johnson at right tackle. That's hot. That's that's one of the best offensive lines in the NFL right there. You taking Murray over Baker is telling it is wow. because one's been better than the other. The only <laughs> other thing is, though, uh, Oklahoma's defense, they have one guy who's literally a star in the NFL right now in defense. defense. Kenneth Murray. So if you could use one for offense, one for defense, you could be probably pretty sad. So take, yeah, you the take defensively, defense. uh, it might be LSU for defense. Really? So LSU defense, you got Daniel Hunter, Tredavious White, Jamal Adams, Tyron Matthew, Deion Jones, Devin White, Patrick Peterson. You're not going to fucking put Christian Patrick Fulton. Peterson out there. Peterson's going to get roasted. Okay, Christian Fulton. Tyler Shelvin. Tyler Shelvin. You got you got talent, LSU defensively that could rival Bama. So those were the that's what I was saying. Obviously, Bama juggernaut finally has some quarterback talent that could compete. But I do think LSU with Joe Burrow, they could they got Andrew Whitworth a left tackle. Like you got you could have an offense LSU too. I think that LSU could be the answer for who's the best one, maybe even be better than Bama. Brandon Gum on Twitter. Do you guys think Desmond Ritter looks improved as a passer this year? I know it's early against weak competition, but his ball placement accuracy has taken a step for me. Which step? I, I think it's taken a step back, right? I mean, it's actually <laughs> bad. It's, I, I don't think it's been better. I, I don't think he's taken a noticeable step forward in performance. Notre Dame game, the fact that he didn't throw the game away was good, but I also wouldn't call it like a banner performance from him himself. Uh, so charting wise, he has gone from 57.7% of balls charted as accurate this year to 61 or last year to 61.6% this year. So a slight bump, but he's also had his uncatchable rate go higher to 25% of just balls that are, we deemed as completely off target altogether. So to put that in perspective, 25% uncatchable, we were saying Trey Lance's accuracy was an issue coming on North coast state. And he was at 22.8% of uncatchable balls. And that's like Mac Jones is at 10%. Justin Fields around that area. That's twice as many inaccurate balls as those guys at the top. So accuracy is still an issue. I will, you know, again, we're so short into the season. So half your games at this point are against uh, slaps that slaps? I'm not going to read too are you much. Are throwing Notre Dame as a slap? Uh, Notre Dame, half Indiana. Your games. Notre Dame and Indiana, but are those not slaps? Yeah. The others but are they slaps. also play, what, Miami, Ohio, and... The other one I was Miami, Ohio is toe to toe with Notre Dame, in my opinion. Okay. Um, in zero the, manners. The interesting stat I saw with Desmond um, ruling out RPOs, play action screens. He has the third fastest time to throw in the FBS. Oh. He is getting that ball out Cooks quick, it. which um, his release is quick too. I think there's. Yeah. Well, I, I honestly think we're going to be, when we're talking about the draft and people are hyping up Desmond Ritter, I think you're going to be talking about like a really capable backup type of guy right i mean i don't know necessarily if we're going with with the accuracy concerns i don't know if we're necessarily going to be talking about him as like a 
first round caliber prospect. He's going to be something in the day two, day two range. But um, yeah, I think he enters the NFL as a highly capable backup with an opportunity, obviously, to improve in the NFL. Garrett Mashburn on Twitter. Where do you guys think Bo Nix stacks up in the draft class? Declares this year, stays another year. He becomes a sort of a joke to the public in college football, but I'm still a believer. <laughs> I think he should stay another year. I mean, he's, what, he got benched last week for a little bit? He's, he he's needed that, though. He needed yeah. a reset. Might, I think he stays another year. He might stay two more years with COVID, giving you that extra year. That's true. He might just be the most... The, the most decorated Auburn quarterback of all time, purely because he played five years of college football. I love it. It's a very strong possibility. I And I don't think that's terrible for his stock or terrible for his livelihood. I yeah. always factor in like, hey, there's no fucking rush, brother. You Especially are. Especially with NIL deals. That guy's fucking cleaning up with Bojangles right now. Yeah. He, he stays another two years, but he might get a fucking tattoo. Although if he doesn't improve, like he might be the most hated quarterback in Auburn history. Too. I love that. I love that though. You kind of need that. Like, you got to be something. Yeah. Show up in the history book somewhere. All right, Brant on Twitter, B-R-A-N-T. Where would you rank Tom Telesco among NFL GMs? He's hit on his first-round picks, but has had some really bad draft classes. 2019 is a prime example. Okay, take that back about 2019. Jerry Tillery had a sack on Monday Shut night. Shut up. Did you see that? I did see The it. play of his life. Against one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. But also, Nazir Adderley looks very good this year. He has been one Oh, of he looks biggest. phenomenal. He looks awesome. Uh, different level of just confidence he's playing with. Looks like the guy we saw at Delaware. So, that 2019 draft class... Pump, pump the brakes. I'll just say that. Um, I think he's one of the better talent evaluators. I've been in strong agreement with even like their draft picks that have busted guys like Forrest Lamp, who didn't Feeney. tend to work out. Uh, yeah, Jerry Tillery, guys who have done that. I have said that. So I'm, from my opinion, I'm going to be like, yeah, he's a good fucking evaluator. So I think he's a good evaluator. Now, for agency and what they've done to sort of roster building wise, I've had some questions basically ignoring the O-line for as long as he did was criminal but i do think he's a very good talent better where he stands in that sort of hierarchy of nfl gms it's, it's always fucking tough value gms is a very sort of fluid concept there's just so much that goes into the job it's not like there's also a lot of ambiguity on who's making each decision yes and that's always tough for, as an outsider so I, I would he's a nfl caliber gm likely above average so there you have it. Turn frown 360 around on Twitter. What do the Eagles do with all their draft capital? Trade into 2023 is what I wrote here. I, I, I think you want to push this kind of down the road if you're the Eagles because I, I think you're just going to be a big rebuild here coming soon. We talked about Fletcher Cox not being the same guy. We talked about Brandon Graham obviously having the Achilles probably the end of the road for him. You got Darius Slay about to hit 31. You got a lot of positions that were your kind of mainstays. Brandon Brooks, obviously not being, his health continues to be a problem, and he's obviously on the other side of 30. Lane Johnson also battling injury. So that, like, you got to have a, a, a two- or three-year plan here to turn this around. And it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe flip that draft capital into a quarterback if that situation arises where you're like one of those guys. At the moment, though, I don't quite see it. And... I think you just want to shit. You always get that discount or that we saw with the Giants. You get more draft capital down the road if you give it up now. That's what I would try to do with some of that at least. Not all of it, but some of it is to push it down the road to to have that window be in the 2024 range of getting back to the Super Bowl instead of trying to push it in chips right now. This is a monster question from Bruno Marin. 
came in and said, what is your all-time NFL team? A quick starting 11 on offense and defense. Let's see it. So I went through. A lot of these guys were, I didn't go through the whole complete history of NFL. I was born in 1990. Started, you know, really watched football in the late 90s. 96, 97, Packers, Super Bowls. So I don't know like every fucking name in NFL history, but I know some past <laughs> wait, names. Wait, wait, wait. You don't know every name in NFL history? I've, so I skewed towards recent names is what I'm trying to say here. But quarterback, I went with Chuck Long because that's a crazy name for a quarterback, former Lions quarterback. To, so it's Dick Long. Or no, that's Richard. I'm an idiot. Yeah. But Chuck, I mean, literally to Chuck Long is what a quarterback does. So it's very addictive. So running back, Bronco Nagurski. Sick name. In a, in, a, in a landslide. Yeah. And especially for running back. Fullback, Max Strong might be the best name ever for a fullback. I like Henry Hynoski. Hynoski's a good name. But Max Strong, I mean, for a fullback. Wide receivers was difficult. I went Plexico Burris because that's just a, a unique, sick-sounding name. And then Amon Ross St. Brown. That's hot. Tough to beat. Tight end Mike Ditka. It's just a very classic name all around. Offensive line, there were not as good of options as I thought going through really? offensive linemen. Debrickashaw Ferguson at tackle. Obvious. Spencer Drango at tackle. Will Shields. Shields for an offensive lineman. It's kind of funny. Richie Incognito. I don't know. It's just an interesting last name. And then Nick Mangold. Mangold has always cracked me up as a last name. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Actually? How did that like come to fruition? How did that name get brought about? Mangold? I don't know. That just like, you know, in the genesis of names as human society. I'd love to know. On the defensive side of the ball here. <laughs> the genesis of names is what we're getting into now. The genesis of names, human society. Defense side of the ball, Kabir Gabajabi Emil, KGB. Packers legend turned uh, cult, cultist now. Have you heard that story? No. He's in a cult. Which one? I don't know. He's in a cult. Like showed up to his like daughter's like piano recital with a gun. And like what? two weird guys. What yeah. cult is that? That's you haven't read this? Psycho. <laughs> I mean, how is well, that's, that? that's the he's fucking definition cult. of a cult. He's the, he's in a cult. He showed up to his daughter's piano practice with a gun. No, I don't know. Is there a uh, well-adjusted cult you're you're no, aware I'm of? I'm just saying, it's not automatic. You know, it's not automatic. It's like, yeah, he's in a cult. He, so showed, he showed up to his daughter's, daughter's piano practice with a gun. It's like, no, that guy's just a fucking moron. Yeah. Well, those aren't mutually exclusive. Different. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Elvis Dumerville. That's also a hot name. Elvis Dumerville was a sick name. Defensive tackles, we got Haloti Nada and Kimo Von Olhoffen. Mm. Linebackers. I like Tomata Pecco. Tomata Pecco, yeah. Tomata Pecco, I mean. Pecco, uh, he was debated. I, I actually did debate him, but with Kimo Von Olhoffen. Put him on the all-hair team. All-hair team, for sure. Linebacker Dick Butkus, Easy. maybe the best name in NFL history. <laughs> Just My dad wanted to name me. Every, every seven-year-old, every second grader in America knows the name Dick Butkus. Now, they know what he does? No, but they know that name. Linebacker. Current second graders? When'd you take Probably that still. poll? Dick Buckus. Not 100%, 100% success rate <laughs> when you each polled second graders. Linebacker, Takeo Spikes. Just a sweet all around. That's name. a sweet name. Cornerback, champ. I liked also Paul Pozlesny. Paul Pozlesny. The Schluz. His brother went to Notre Dame. Uh, wasn't as good as Paul. Cornerback, Champ Bailey. So I tried to skew away from nicknames, but Champ was always known as Champ. Yeah. Like he was from like grade school on. Not his real name. But I try to skew away from that, but he had to go with Champ Bailey. It's a sweet name. Mm -hmm. um, other one, Quentin Jammer. Quentin Jammer for cornerbacks. Just that was sick. Too perfect. Yeah. Uh, Champ Bailey's real name, Roland, by the way. So good good on him for changing that. Nickel. Nickel Roby Coleman. That's perfect. Literally nickel. Nickel. 
Safeties, I went with Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Lawyer Malloy. Lawyer Malloy kind of sneaking in, which is yeah. hot. I like I like that. The lo- naming your son Lawyer, that is his real name. Amazing play by his parents. <laughs> Um, he you can't be a, a piece of shit when you're named lawyer. You know, like you can't get in trouble with the law. You'll yeah. get roasted. So, well, turn I think he's in a cult player. actually. <laughs> um, he has oh, and then, oh, yeah, okay. He yeah, has a second, second question, one. which is absurd. He gave us that, and then this one. If you could change slash delete two current rules in the NFL and add two new rules, what would they be? Personally, I would make OPI more harsh, delete the new taunting rule, and my two new rules would be college style overtime and some sort of rule that makes it mandatory for some sort of lineman to return kicks. I don't know how it works. Hmm. Go ahead. Okay. I would change PI to not be a spot foul unless it's within 15 yards, obviously. So cap it at 15. I just think it's too, it can swing games too much on one ref's flag. I would also, oh wait, what was the other part of this question? You need to add two, two new, new rules. rules and two. Create two, delete two rules and add two rules. Okay, so I'm deleting. I think I fucked this up. You're a fucking dumbass. Um, I'm deleting. So I'm deleting, deleting the current file. PI rule and changing. I just it. added four rules here. Is what I ended up doing. Let's with see these. it. Let's see. And it. then the other one is every stadium has to have a retractable dome. Okay. I don't want to play any game in snow or mm-hmm. rain, or have lightning delays, even though they were in a dome. And then I also added there's a uh, ref in the booth that can throw a flag from watching TV. That's a great rule. That just like can signal down, hey, there was a guy was obviously offside, so you mm-hmm. missed it. A guy was XYZ and you missed it. That's what I would add. And then I would also have PK style OT, which I've clamored for again and again. But offense, oh, offense tackle, overtime should be one two point conversion for one team, one two point conversion for the other team. Until you just keep going. Best of five. Yeah. I, I like college overtime rules too. Or not best of five, five chances at the end of five, winner declared. Because it doesn't affect stats then. There's so many benefits to it. Yeah. It doesn't have kickers. It doesn't affect stats. It's still football and has far fewer players people can get hurt. Mm-hmm. It is the best solution that never gets brought up. I would delete the in the grasp rule or whatever the fuck that weird rule is. Okay. And also I would delete whatever um, information they're being provided to be so nice on the QB, man. I think I would just yeah. remove like t- the top 25% of those. Yeah. yeah. Like, like go back to like hitting them normally. Yeah. The two rules I would add college overtime rules and every single time a fall, a ball is fumbled out of the end zone. Everyone who doesn't like that rule gets a personal text from Roger Goodell saying, stop crying, you little bitch. That's the new rule. Cause I fucking hate when people are like, Oh my God, it's the worst rule in football. What? I don't think that's the worst one in football. You fumbled the ball into the end zone and went out of bounds. Yeah. Don't fumble the ball. What do you want? The ball back? You want the ball back? I think I like that rule, but that's 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 neither here nor there. I think that's what it don't fumble the ball. I don't understand how uh, that rule gets so much hate. I will say this about this head and neck stuff for quarterbacks. It should only be a head and neck, should only be a penalty if it's your helmet hitting their head or neck. Mm-hmm. If you hit it with a follow through with your arm, yeah. that is not, that's, that's never hurt anybody in NFL history. Yeah. A follow through with a hand, arm, shoulder, like whatever, has never hurt anybody. Now, crowning them with your fucking helmet into their head or neck, yeah. yes, throw the flag. But when someone comes in, jumps, puts their hand, hits their head, that happens literally every run block. There's every run block a guy gets hit in their head or neck by an opposing offensive or defense lineman. That is literally nothing. That one has to go. You know what you could do? You could just eliminate helmets. Game has gotten too soft. That's fair. Throw it back. Bring back the Rugby. leather. Rugby safer, right? Yeah. Everyone says. Um, I, 
I, I know I made a joke ruling that you get a personal text from Roger Dell. I think a rule I would actually add is definitely the Sky Judge. Bringing in a Sky yes. Judge that reviews every flag and is reviewing plays to come in and say, like, nah. Like, I think that would be quickly massive. give a decision. They don't have to be like, they can miss stuff too. But it's just like, that once you get one fucking replay mm -hmm. on a TV copy, you already have a better indication of what happened than yeah. the ref. Also, put a chip or GPS in both tips of the ball and Four. spot the ball with the chips. Don't, I don't want the guy who's literally like 40 yards on the sideline coming and be like, yeah, it's right here. Uh, but it's like, there's also a knee. That one's a little too complex. I mean, for like in zone breaking, yeah, sure. But a lot it can of definitely be better than where it is now. That's fair. Yeah. It's way better than where it is now. I mean, all the, all the vaccinated players have it. chips. Like, like, it, like, okay, it's, it's put the wrong. ball, put the ball wherever you want. Yeah. Put the ball wherever you want. But when you are reviewing like a spot, you got to have something else besides like, oh, let's uh, kind of see where this thing's at. And it's like, okay, I think it's right here. Like, no, that's, that's not enough. I think you should be like, okay, we're reviewing it. Let's look at the ball chips. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's okay. literally right there. We're going to put it right there. I mean, I don't know. I think that's, that's where my head's at. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. A little trivia. Well, no, actually, we got interviews. Got interviews. Andrew Booth Jr., Clemson cornerback, and then also DK, Darian Kennard, Kentucky offensive tackle. Let's get it. Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is current Clemson cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. Some of the best tape to watch in college football is you, my guy, in coverage, playing super physical. I love how you attack downhill. You're one of the better tacklers at the cornerback position as well. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Appreciate being here. Let's start with week one. You know, one of the best games that you've had this year, according to PFF grade, specifically 86.0 coverage grade, was that matchup against Georgia. Only allowed three receptions from four targets for one single yard. You have been, from the jump this season, spectacular. What are do you feel are some you know key improvements or where you've developed the most going from last year to this year? Because I think you look like a totally different player. Right, yeah. So, I mean, the game has definitely slowed down for me. Uh, this season, you know, uh, film study, um, and just, you know, building more confidence uh, as I watch film and uh, the recognition for formations and, you know, just anticipation knowing uh, mm -hmm. what plays are coming uh, with motions and, you know, alignments. Yeah, I would love to hear more about that. You know, how much has your film study changed, you know, going over the course of the seasons at Clemson? And, and, and what specifically do you look for on film in a given game week? What are you keying on for the receivers? And how are you, like, deploying that on the field? Yeah, right. So uh, I, I realized, you know, I wasn't really watching film the right way. You know, there's a way to watch film. And, I mean, you can literally just be in there watching. But you got to, you know what I'm saying, uh, get to the the meat of it, like write things down, pay attention to splits, you know what I'm saying? Um, time in the game, uh, and, you know, um, just really pay attention to uh, how the coach schemes. And so like, all right, so how are they gonna try to get us? You know what I'm saying? And then mm -hmm. you, you just gotta think about that every play. Um, like I said, splits, splits tell you a lot about uh, what kind of routes you're getting. And uh, down in distance, man, that's that's huge. And so uh, I know you, you talked about, you know, the, the plays I've made, you know, down in distance is a, uh, is a huge factor in that. Yeah, absolutely. I think another part of your game that I've come to, you know, fall in love with this season has been the physicality. You know, I think you're tackling at a very high right. level right now and, 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 and hitting, you know, receivers at, you know, at the line scrimmage and away from the line scrimmage at a very high level. Has that been a mentality that has shifted for you? Or do you think that's honestly just what you've always been? 
Right, yeah, I think that's always, that's just how I've always been, you know what I'm saying? Since young age, my my, my father has instilled in me a, a physicality, like a certain heart, you know, a grit, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, if you're in front of me, you got you to gotta get it, you know what I'm saying? And just knowing my angles and staying, staying low and hitting those guys the right way. You faced some really talented receivers so far this season, Georgia, NC State, Boston College. That's NC State specifically targeted a ton, 12 targets into your coverage in that one, going against Ameki Amezi, who is one of the more talented receivers in the ACC. Who have been some of the receivers that have impressed you so far this season? Right. Uh, I mean, those guys are those guys are pretty good. I, I really liked uh, Zay Flowers, mm -hmm. Boston College. I like, uh, you know, he's a good little receiver. Um very quick, very fast. Um, he, he made me better last last game. I like a uh, buddy from NC State. He was good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nice pitch and catch that yeah. they had. Um, so, yeah, those guys, good matchups. You know what I'm saying? I uh, I can do better on my part. You know what I'm saying? I know if I, if I get caught on the sun, I think – really is something I did, not what they did. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it's something I can work on and improve on as far as that goes. How much would you say, you know, the talent that Clemson has had in the secondary has had an effect on your development? You know, you've played with a lot of talented cornerbacks at Clemson, AJ Terrell included. How has that, you know, those relationships that you've had affected your development and how much have you leaned on, you know, Clemson guys in the past to improve every single season? Yeah, right. So, I mean, I I knew I had some great shoes to fill, like with uh, Mullen and, like you said, AJ. Like, those boys came in, they did what they were supposed to do. I just felt like, you know what I'm saying, I had to come in and do what I was supposed to do. I got recruited here for a reason, for me to be like those guys and, and better. And so, that's just my thing on that. And Clemson's defense, you know, over the years has been really impressive playing, you know, a lot of defensive backs, really limiting explosive plays on the back end. Walk me through a practice week on defense at Clemson. Cause what you guys put out obviously on that side of the ball has been special for years now. Right. So, I mean, coach V, we all know he's a guru at this defensive thing. And, uh, I mean, practice is hard. He makes practice so hard and it's uh, a lot of stress, a lot of stress and he goes quick, he goes fast. And so when we get to game time, it's it's very easy. You know, the game is very slow. And so, like, I mean, I guess that's what we pride ourselves on is making practice really hard, you know, uh, and stressful. So when we get to game time, everything's easy and simple. You have a little bit of a break here before you get back on the slate. Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Florida State all coming up. What has been the focus for this Clemson team, you know, over this break? Where are you guys resetting? What's the, you know, what are you changing or adding to your game plans or your approach moving forward? Uh, really uh, being disciplined, um, being detailed in our, in our work. You know, everything we do, we need to be detailed. And uh, really getting healthy, getting back healthy for the second half of the season. And just controlling what we can control, you know, just playing hard, going going hard each and every day in practice. And so that's it. Yeah, this uh, practice, man, has to be fantastic for you as you improve, um, you know, your play over the course of your Clemson career, and especially this season, going against two t talented, talented receivers and Justin Ross and Joseph Nada. I think both those guys are top-tier talents in the ACC, let alone maybe even the Power Five. 
and uh, walk me through some of the you know the one-on-ones you've had with Ross or Nada and how that has you know really improved your game especially this season right yeah man uh iron sharpens iron and those those sparks are gonna fly you know every 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 day um me and Ngata you know we, we go at it back and forth back and forth like I let him know he lets me know we, we get it man we uh we definitely that's that's been a key part you know to my growth is the receivers I go against every day you know what I'm saying I see the best every day so I mean that makes my job a lot easier on Saturday yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nagata has been fantastic. I love what he did in that Georgia game, and he continues yeah. to impress me so far this season. Last one for you, and I'll let you go. I really appreciate the time. You know, you, you're coming out of this bye week, you can approach the back half of the season, looking to exceed expectations. What exactly are your goals to close out the year? Let's close out the year. Um, I don't know if you heard, but, I mean, Coach V, he gave me a huge compliment on, you know, being one of the better tackling corners. But, you know, when it's all said and done after this season, I want him to say I'm one of the better covering corners uh, of all college football. So that's how I want to end it, and I'm staying on that one. I love it, man. That's high goals, and I think you can achieve it. And I agree with Coach V, man. Your tackling has been impressive. I mentioned that at the jump. Andrew, really appreciate the time. And like I said, best of luck the rest of the season. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Welcome into the Tailgate Podcast. My name is Austin Gale, and I have with me Kentucky offensive tackle Darian Kennard. I think people call you DK. I'll call you DK on the show. Really appreciate having you on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Let's start with, you know, the obvious here. You are one of the highest-graded offensive tackles this season. You've been one of the highest-graded offensive tackles in the Power Five over the past two years. Really have developed into one of the, you know, best overall players on this football team, best overall players in the FBS. Speak to just the development and the strides you've taken over the course of your career at UK and how much this coaching staff, how much your teammates have paved the way for you to have so much success. Uh, well, you know, coming to Kentucky, everything kind of you develop. You know, every college is, uh, you go to, they're going to have a developmental program uh, for all of their players. Um, some, of their, some of their players, you know, they're going to have to spend more time with um takes a little longer some come in you know they have they're more well-rounded in uh, certain areas and they feel like they need just a little work in a special area or specific area um but coming in you know as a freshman and you know they felt uh i had the tools the problem uh with me as a freshman was really just getting up to that game speed you know level levels change and speed changes so um, that was one of the biggest things I had to uh, overcome coming in my freshman year um, when I was trying to get playing time and was getting playing time eventually. Um, a lot of development, man, I think is uh, a lot of mental, uh, of course, physical, but the physical aspect comes, you know, a uh, little later down the road because uh, your body doesn't change over overnight. You know, it takes a long t- period of time to build muscle and then go ahead and maintain that while you're tr- still trying to make changes physically. So. Uh, throughout the course, strength staff here, I mean, they did a great job with me. They've done a great job with a lot of guys here. Uh, they take what they have, and uh, they know what they have after working with them for that freshman year. And uh, they really develop and uh, work on areas we need improvement on. I have two things uh, off of that. Oh, go ahead. No, there you go. I have two things off that. One, your, two fresh, your freshman season there in, in 2018, you have an opportunity to go against the juggernaut that is Josh Allen, a guy that really developed his frame over the course of his career at Kentucky. And two, you know, what weight did you get to when you were a freshman there in 2018? Now, what are you working up to? I know you're listed at six foot five, three forty five. You know, where was your body when you first got to UK, and then how much has it developed? But start with Josh Allen. Um, so when I first got here, man, you know, I heard a lot about Josh Allen, and um, 
a lot of the a lot of good things about Josh Allen. And then, you know, just seeing him at practice and really understanding like this guy is special, you know. Um coming in Kentucky, you know, I'm I, I was never really focused on Kentucky football uh before I committed here. Uh so I didn't really focus on a lot of the uh how you say big names at uh some schools. You know, Kentucky was never on the board for me until later and um until I started getting recruited heavily. Uh, but I never really looked at players. And, um, you know, I never really knew where, you know, Josh was with the NFL, you guys, uh, grading him out and stuff like that. I never knew how how good he was until, like, I, I laid eyes on him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first got here that first camp, just um, going as Josh Allen for the first two, two three days, uh, that first week really, um, really showed that uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be, uh, and that his his speed off edge, his hands, uh, how technical he was with stuff, uh, really just showed the gap of uh, coming in out of high school into college. Um, you know, now that I've been here for a long time, that breakdown, uh, breaking it down, understanding the game, and really working on the technical aspect, um, you kind of pick up on it. But um, just the fact of going against Josh Allen my freshman year, you know, made me uh, really want to strive. Uh, to be a lot better as, of a player. And at the end of the day, I love competition. Um, that's my biggest thing uh, with me. Uh, if somebody's supposed to be better than me, I want that. That's how I make the most improvements. Um, you take bigger strides, and then you start break, You start really getting into detail and nitty-gritty of um, getting better yourself. But it's hard to continually work on yourself when you have nothing to compare it to. Um, so... I mean, having Josh Allen here was was a huge, huge help for me, especially getting some play time early um, as a freshman. But he was uh, he was he was insane, insanely athletic, talented guy. I'm not saying it just happened because you know he was here for five years, and I saw I saw pictures of him before and what he looked like before uh, at film of uh, his like early freshman and sophomore redshirt freshman and redshirt sophomore year, and uh, he developed a lot. And uh, got a lot faster, got a lot stronger, uh, got a lot more physical. So um, just going to get someone like that every day really pushed me uh, as a freshman to, um, you know, reach for the mountaintops, especially with, uh, you know, him being a, what, number eight pick mm-hmm. in the uh, draft. You know, it just made me feel comfortable uh, going into games and doing stuff like that. You know, yeah. he had me, he would always, he would always have me that first week. And I eventually started catching up and being a freshman and uh, getting some wins against Josh Allen you know, really boosts confidence, uh, especially uh, of a young guy coming right out of high school. I bet. And I, I remember when he first got there, he played receiver mostly in high school, and it wasn't until he transferred high schools that he started to play along the defensive line. That's really where you started to see that development move forward. Um, I, You know, on this development, you talk a lot about your body maturing. How much has your film study changed over the course of your career at Kentucky and how you approach practice, how you approach improving technique, speak to more of those elements of the game and that, and that develop, that development you've had. Um, so with like film, film and stuff like that, uh, not, you know, I mean, coming as a freshman, you don't, you're not really know what you're looking at. Um, a lot of guys in high school don't even watch film unless it's with, you know, the group of guys or like maybe a couple of days before or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. so Coming in watching film, I really just watched um, my specific guy um, and kind of just would, like, break down moves, uh, kind of see what's going on with that and uh, what they like to do. 
Um, I mean, you still need to do that. And I think I was a little ahead of the curve uh, than most freshmen uh, just doing that because growing up, I would do nothing but watch YouTube videos of Tyron Smith and Joe Thomas and those guys. And I would love to, you know, break down and kind of see what they're doing that made them so great at the next level. And uh, coming in, I kind of just wanted to uh, break down and kind of figure out what a lot of pass rush moves are, kind of gauge myself uh, against those guys. But uh, as I've been here, the longer I've been here, the more uh, maturing I've done watching film in terms of, you know, uh, reading fronts, uh, reading rotations, understanding uh, body, you know, body language a lot. Uh, just the small things can uh, tip something really big, you know. Um, Safety's not off hash, but the corner's pressed, and he's, you know, peeking his eyes in a little bit every once in a while, or he's uh, uh, the whole game playing press, not even looking at the ball, just looking at the wide receiver, and then one play, he's continually kind of peeking in. And, you know, it's just small stuff like that that kind of, um, you know, you pick up on. Uh, the more you get here, the more experience you have. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of developing goes on in college, you know, not in terms of just football, but in terms of uh, who you are as a person and uh, the kind of, habits you want to form for yourself focusing more on this season you've had such an awesome opportunity to go against some really talented defensive lines over the past two weeks south carolina and florida are both chock full of edge talent how how in your opinion looking back on the film how did those two weeks go for you and just how impressed were you with the talent those both those teams have um you know i think those guys had great talent uh, i remember number one from florida last year uh, you know, he, I gave up a sack because, you know, I was just kind of uh, trying to feel him out a little bit, uh, see what he wanted to do. And he beat me with speed around the edge when I was just trying to throw an arm out there and kind of see what he was going to do with it. And, uh, you know, it, the rest of the game, I kind of just picked up on picked up on it and, uh, you know, kind of kept him at bay. Um, but Florida's always had good guys. South Carolina has good guys. Uh, those Both those guys are twitchy on both teams, uh, both their DNs. Um, you know, they're fast, strong, and they can they can get upfield really quickly. So, um, you know, they, they have a lot of talent. And uh, I, knew I, I knew coming into that game I needed to really be, um, you know, focused and dialed in on uh, a lot of that stuff. I just, you know, uh, previously talked about the smallest details, you know, uh, weight and stance and placement. Uh, is he trying to set something up? You know, just really have to be dialed in with uh, a, lot of these, a lot of these guys, especially on the end. How much, uh, you know, I'd love to hear more about your perception of Will Levis this season, the guy that's obviously come in and taking a commanding approach or a commanding um, lead on this offense. He's had so much success early in the season. He's a big reason why you guys are undefeated heading into this LSU game. How has that leadership affected this offense and you specifically? Uh, I mean, Will's a great guy. Um, you know, not very hard to talk to. Um, you know, he, he's a hard worker. And, you know, anybody who busts their ass all the time is uh, well-respected in my book because um, nothing nothing is given, you know, it's, uh, it's earned, you know. And he came in and earned it. I mean, he got here since day one and worked for it. He never had the – he never came in and had that attitude of, uh, I'm going to run this place uh, and I'm not really going to do anything to uh, earn y'all's respect. But he came in, uh, knew that he was – starting with a whole new group of people that uh, didn't know him and didn't trust him. Uh, so he came in with that and knew that and came in working from day one, uh, not having a big head or anything. He just uh, kept quiet, uh, nose the grindstone, and uh, was always wanting to learn and uh, be better.
So um, having someone like that uh, definitely uh, boosts his offense and, um, you know, makes us want to actually, you know, play well for him. Looking ahead to this week, I mean, this is another tough slate of pass rushers. Ali Gay, uh, BJ Ujulari, who had a successful week this past week. How much film have you already watched on those two? And I guess, what are your early impressions? Early impressions? Um, 11. Oh, man. 11 is <laughs> big. Uh, definitely strong, fast. Uh, he likes to get creative with his, with his moves. Um, so I'm kind of uh, not worried, but prepping for that, preparing for that. Um yeah, the other other edge guys, uh, zero, uh, the backup. I, I heard from a uh, dare. He's uh, he's a freshman. Uh, you know, he could he could be really good. I see uh, some stuff from him that uh, kind of show out a little bit to me. Um, you know, just kind of preparing these guys. You know, got to really be on the A game. Same thing like we were against Florida. Um, I just got to be prepared, be ready, be setting the game plan that I have going into it, and uh, be be completely all in with it. Obviously, you know, you talk to a lot of people in college, and I think a common expression I hear is we want to go one to know every week. We want to go one to know every day. But if you had to highlight any long term goals for this season, what is the outlook you have and what are you guys looking to accomplish? Um, I think a long term goal that, that Kentucky's always had is uh respect. You know, a lot of us uh, who've been playing for a long time, uh, even with the games that we uh, that we won against high or talented opponents. We were never given that respect, um, especially this past weekend when we beat Florida. Uh, no respect was really given. So I'd say long-term goal is to make sure people understand that we deserve that respect. Uh, it's not just a lucky thing here, or lucky thing there, uh, or it's just a occasional whatever, or occasional high and low. Like we, we want to be known as a good team, talented team that's respected. Um, instead of being always the underdog. Hell yeah, man. I think and respect will be earned as you continue to go on this season. Darian, I really appreciate the time, and I wish you the best of luck the rest of this year. Thank you. Jam-packed show. I love the Thursday shows. We usually get some interviews in there, the mailbag, the trivia, obviously the NFL preview. Big Fi. Hashtag Big Fi. Until next time, Asagail, Mike Renner, David Sofaro, Mike Quinn, Max Chadwick. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Ask us questions. Ask us questions, too. Follow PFF underscore Twitter. No. Tailgate. PFF underscore tailgate on Twitter. Send us a DM. We'll get your questions in the mailbag. Until next time, Austin Gill, Mike Renner. Tailgate.